I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I invite you to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. You're also invited to visit our website, www.asburybaptist.org. In addition, you can reach more messages and more Bible teaching on gospeldynamite.org as well. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God? You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. Turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. One verse today as we look at the invitation of conversion. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Beginning in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1 with God's invitation for Noah and his family to come into the ark, the Bible is literally filled with invitations for people to come to God. It would seem from this evidence that God is interested in calling people to come to himself. Even on the last page of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, God is still inviting men, women, boys, and girls to come to him. In this verse, the Spirit of God takes one last opportunity to swing open the door of salvation so that he might invite lost people to enter. You see, God is interested in your salvation. He cares about you and where you'll spend eternity. How do we know God cares? We know God cares because of his words in John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know God cares because of his works. Romans 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God proved his love for you and me when he sent his son Jesus into this world to die for us on a cross. But God knows that just because he cares, that does not mean that you will be saved. He knows that you must respond to him by repenting of your sins and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for man's sin. He rose from the dead to guarantee us, guarantee us everlasting life. He even went back to heaven to pray for you. But if you refuse the Lord's invitation to come to God, you still will not be saved. This invitation is vitally important. In the words of our text, 
We have one of the clearest calls to salvation that can be found anywhere in the word of God. I would call to your attention the cause of this invitation. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come. What we have in these two sentences is a twofold invitation. First, the Holy Spirit and the bride of Christ are inviting the Lord Jesus to return to this earth. Jesus has just made a promise in verses 12 and 13 that he is going to return. He is coming with his reward in verse 12. He is coming to bring about the consummation of all things in verse 13. He is coming to bring the light of his glory to a world trapped in darkness in verse 16. So the Holy Spirit and bride of Christ extend an invitation to Jesus to hasten his return. The Spirit does so because he is longing for Jesus to be enthroned as King of kings and Lord of lords. He desires the Lord's glory. The bride of Christ invited him to hasten his return because she longs to be with the one who loved her enough to die on the cross to save her from her sins. Every person who hears the good news that Jesus is coming again is to join the chorus and invite him to return. The word heareth means to understand. Not everyone who hears the message understands the message, but those who do are to desire the Lord's return. Number two, this is also an invitation for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to come to him and be saved. Each of the persons mentioned in this verse is involved in inviting Jesus and people to come to Jesus. The Spirit of God invites people through his convicting ministry. John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. John chapter 6 and verse 44. The bride of Christ invites people through her witnessing ministry. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Matthew 28 and verses 19 and 20. Everyone who grasps the message is to be a missionary, inviting others to come to Christ. Now, this is a great challenge to the church. We should ever be in the business of inviting people to come to our Savior. Everything we do should revolve around getting the gospel out. We're living in a world that is growing darker by the day, darker by the minute, and we hold the light in our hands and in our hearts. We must take it to the world that needs to hear about the one who, who can save their soul. And the reason this invitation is inserted here is because Jesus is coming again. Now, when he left this world 2,000 plus years ago, he left here with the promise that he would return someday, Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. This promise has been restated time and time again in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 52. Revelation 1 and verse 7. The Spirit longs for this day because Jesus will be glorified. The bride longs for this day because she will be reunited with her Redeemer. 
The world longs for this day because it will be delivered from the curse. It has endured for at least 6,000 years, Romans 8 and verse 22. The return of Jesus is the blessed hope of all those who know him as their Savior, Titus 2.13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is, however, a sad side to his return. When Jesus comes, he is coming for his people only those who know him as their personal savior will be taken with him. Only those who have been saved by his grace will be taken when he comes to gather his people. The rest will be left behind to endure the horrors of the tribulation period. Now this invitation is given because Jesus is coming and only those who know him are going to heaven with him. I would ask you, are you in that number? Are you going to be in heaven with him? Now, that's the cause of the invitation. Now we look at the candidates of this invitation. The Bible says, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will. This invitation to come to Jesus is made available to two distinct types of people. One, him that is a thirst. This refers to those who are sick of drinking from the stagnant pools of this world and they long for something more. Then you have whosoever will. This speaks to anyone who's willing to come to Jesus. This world and all of its allurements promise satisfaction to those who pursue them. But neither this world nor anything it can offer will ever be able to provide complete satisfaction. The pools of sin and self-satisfaction offered by the world offer the promise of unending pleasure and satisfaction but they only deliver disappointment and death. How many people have sought satisfaction in a bottle only to discover too late that it was a terrible trap designed to destroy hope, home, and health? How many have looked for satisfaction in drugs only to realize too late that they too were in a snare for the mind, the body, and the soul? How many have given themselves to the pleasure of sexual excess in search of happiness only to reap an unwanted disease, pregnancy, or heart and mind that's forever scarred. And many have drank deeply of the pools of self and sin, only to come away disappointed and dissatisfied with what they found in that place. You see, these are the people our Lord is addressing in this verse. He's addressing people who have looked everywhere for fulfillment, satisfaction, and happiness. 
They are invited to come to Christ to find the things they desire. Those who understand that there must be more to life, they're invited to come to Christ. If there's a hunger in your soul for more than you have, you're invited to come to Jesus. If you've tried everything else in this world and you're just completely fed up with the lies and the emptiness of sin, what it has to offer you, you're invited to come. If you're longing for more than what you have now, you're invited to come. According to this verse, anyone who is willing to come to Christ is a candidate for salvation. This invitation is extended to whosoever will. Any person from any place, from any race, from any class, or any level of sinfulness can be saved if they will come to Jesus. He will never turn anyone away. Never. John 6 and verse 37. He is not interested in your money. He does not need it, nor is it any good to him. He doesn't care about the amount of education you possess. He is not concerned about your background. He does not care about the color of your skin. He does not even care about the terrible things that you have done. He knew you before you were ever conceived, and he knew exactly every sin you would ever commit. And yet he still loved you, and he still went to the cross to die and give you salvation. He does not care about anything you've ever done. He loves you like you are, and his invitation is for you to come to him if you have a desire to do so. Are you a candidate for this invitation? Let me ask it this way. Are you thirsty? Are you willing to come to Christ? If so, you can be saved if you will come. Now thirdly, we must note the cost of this invitation. The Bible says it's freely. Freely. In fact, the word freely means a gift. It refers to a gift that is given to someone without reason. It speaks of something that is given just because the giver can give it. Get that in your mind. It speaks of something that is given just because the giver can actually give it. The gift of salvation that we've been talking about is offered to him that is a thirst and whosoever will without charge. God presents his gift of salvation to all those who will receive it without charge. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. You see, salvation is given as a free gift because Jesus has already paid the entire bill. Sometimes 
I'll go into a restaurant, me and my family. Doesn't happen a lot, but it happens more these days than it has in a long time. We'll enjoy a nice meal in a restaurant, and then we'll get ready to paying the bill, and the waitress or waiter will come and say, the bill has been taken care of. And I look around, and I don't know who's taking care of it, but that's happened a half a dozen, maybe a dozen times this year. And I have no clue. They don't come. They don't make it known who does it. I enjoy a great meal. I redeem that meal to myself. I partake. I get all the benefits and the blessings of it. And when it comes time to pay the bill, it's already paid for. Now, that is a simplistic and very insufficient illustration to use when speaking of the redemptive work of the cross. But I think you get the idea. I am the benefactor of all of it. I pay for none of it. Jesus Christ has paid the ransom for my soul. Jesus Christ has paid in full. That's why we teach, preach, believe. The sufficiency, not only of the scriptures, but the sufficiency of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Why? Because he forever satisfied God's demands regarding sin. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word propitiation means that he is the satisfaction of God's wrath. He paid for every demand that God had. He satisfied every demand God had regarding sin. He paid the price for sin, and now there is nothing for the lost sinner to do but accept the invitation and come to Jesus. Salvation may be free, but my friend, it's anything but cheap. When the gift of salvation is received, it offers the recipient more than he or she can ever imagine. A brief look at some of the benefits of salvation makes that truth crystal clear. Let's give a, just a brief rundown. Every sin is immediately forgiven. Every sin that I've ever committed is immediately forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 12, 1 John 1 and verse 7, God has cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. God has buried my sin in the deepest of the sea. It is no longer before his sight. He has forgiven it. He has covered it. He has purged it by his own blood. And he has erased my sin. He has imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ to me. 
And now when God the Father looks at me, he no longer sees me as a condemned, hell-bound sinner. He sees me in the righteousness of his dear son who has justified my soul, which means that he has declared me righteous before all of heaven, but mostly important by the very power of God before the throne of God, before the God of heaven. Not only that, we're adopted in the family of God, Romans 8, 15. We become a child of God, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. John 6 and verse 47 says, we receive eternal life. John 10, 28, 1 Peter 1, 5, we're given the promise of eternal salvation. Some of you nuts are out there preaching that you can lose your salvation, your complete lie from the pits of hell. Stop that satanic doctrine that is made up to let people doubt and to provoke doubt in the lives of believers. You can never lose salvation because Jesus purchased it. It is eternal redemption. You're made a citizen of heaven. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, you're promised a mansion in glory. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. John 14, verse 23. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Matthew 28 and verse 20, you promised his presence in this life. Promised his presence in this life. Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Philippians 4 and verse 19, you're promised that he will provide for you in this life. John 14, verse 27, you're given peace with God. Peace with God. Because Jesus has taken away the sin barrier and you now have peace with God. You can never possess or experience the peace of God until you have peace with God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, you're made a new creature. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11, the Bible says that you're given a brand new life. Luke chapter 10 and verse 20 and Philippians 4 and verse 3, the Bible says your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Titus 2.13, you receive the blessed hope of the rapture. Jesus Christ is coming again. Now these wonderful things, all of these are possessions of every person who comes to Christ for salvation. But wait, there's more. The things I mentioned are just the beginning. According to Ephesians 1 and verse 3, when we are in Jesus, we possess all spiritual blessings. All of this becomes ours when we accept the invitation to come to him. Have you received the free gift of grace that he offers? Then I must give you this. Here's the catch. The catch of this invitation. The Bible says, let him take the water of life. Have you ever noticed that any offer that seems too good to be true usually is? 
Have you noticed that most offers come with a catch? When someone makes an offer that just seems too amazing to be believed, there's usually a hook somewhere. This offer God makes is absolutely no different. There's a catch to his free offer of salvation. Here's the catch. The catch is found in the word take. The word take means to embrace, to lay hold on. Remember, God is offering people a free gift. But a gift is not a gift until it's received. It's merely the offer of a gift. The only catch to God's free offer of salvation is that it must be received. The person who desires salvation must take the water of life. The phrase water of life refers to the gospel message. The gospel message is a clear, simple message. It is articulated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. The gospel is this. God loved lost sinners so much that he sent his son Jesus into this world Jesus Christ went to the cross and died in the place of sinners. He was innocent, but he died for the guilty. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. His death on the cross paid the price for sin and forever satisfied God. After he died, he was buried. Three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead and then he ascended back into heaven where he lives today to receive and save all those who receive the message of God. When this message is preached, the Spirit of God creates a desire within the hearts of lost people to come to Christ. All those who will come to Jesus and receive the water of life will be saved. Here's what it means. Here's what must happen for the lost sinner to come to Jesus. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If that takes place, Salvation will always be the result. Now I'm closing. Have you received the gift? Have you drank deeply of the water of life? God gave everything he had to save your soul. Have you received his gift for your soul's salvation? This invitation is 2,000 years old. Yet it still stands today. The Holy Spirit and the Bride of Christ are still looking for Jesus Christ to come. And the Spirit and the Bride, along with all those who have heard the truth, are still inviting lost sinners to come to Christ for salvation. The question is, have you ever received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Have you heard the gospel message? Have you seen the need for Jesus? Have you reached out by faith and taken the gift of salvation? God loved you enough to give you Jesus Christ, his son for you. And Jesus gave his life on the cross to save you. The, the spirit of God is inviting you to come to Jesus and be saved. 
All that remains is for you to take the gift God is offering you. If you'd like to receive that gift, you can come to Jesus today.